You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. It is my great privilege to introduce someone that um, I'm so glad said yes when I asked her if she would take a take the microphone today. Um, Maureen Moores is going to be sharing with us today. So why don't you put your hands together for her? Last week, Chad told me, mm, you come between Dr. Ray and you come between Fenny, you're going to be the sandwich filling in the middle. So maybe this is the peanut paste, the nutty bit. <laughs> so keeping your sanity in insane situations. Who can relate to that? Most of us. No matter what level of maturity you are, we're all going to go through crisis, heartbreak, hurt at some time or another. That's life. Our lives will be interrupted and we will have to face issues, crisis and suffering of some kind or another. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. When we become Christians, I think we think life's going to be rainbows and butterflies. Uh-uh. This is how we fight our battles. Now, each one of us made differently, and our outward emotions and our response to trouble are different. Some kick and scream. Some go quiet and don't talk. I've dealt with various ranges of emotions in my time as ministry, from mature Christians. And at the moment, Beth and I deal daily with young people with emotions. Some are easily fixed. You can give them a little hug. Give them a tissue. You can duck for cover. I have had a black eye. <laughs> and others can go like this. Okay, come on, sweetie. It's time to stop crying and tell me what's the matter. No, no, another tissue. Okay, but this is the third box we've gone through. Okay, breathe. Okay, three deep breaths. <gasps> You're not breathing with me. No, that's not working. Okay. Smell the flower. Blow out the candle. That's it. That's our fourth box of tissues. Okay. Here we go. That's good. That's it. You're making me sob. Okay. Now, what did he do to you? He looked at you. <laughs> but you're in the same class. He's going to look at you. So those come by the trouble. We can deal with that or we can deal with a young guy that's been hit with the iron bar, or the mother that's in domestic violence. So emotions come in very, very different ways. And whatever our outward response is, I know we will always make it to the other end. It was really good to have Dr. Ray on hand last week. Who enjoyed it? You know, it was just an amazing, and we had the privilege of having another session with him on the Saturday. It was brilliant. And wouldn't it be great to have Dr. Ray in a cupboard? <laughs> so when you had a trouble, but we don't have Dr. Ray on hand, but we do have this. We do have this. I've been challenged lately to look at what someone like me, a mature Christian, what my response is to crisis and trouble. When crisis happens, we need to see it for what it is, 
We need not to minimise or dramatise it and we need to stop and get the proper perspective of what it's all about. I've been reading the story of the widow from Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, 24. It's a bit of a long scripture, so. But coming up. But this woman, middle of a drought, so I'm going to start reading from verse 7. Sometime later, see, Rob always says sometime later, and it's actually in the Bible, so it's quite biblical. <laughs> sometime later, the brook dried up because it had, they'd had no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to, and we're talking about Elijah here, came to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath and, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, the widow was there getting sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may drink? And she was going to, as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. A bit demanding, wasn't it? Poor widow. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she said, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then we will die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as I've said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have. Again, a bit demanding, but so demanding. So bring it to me. I've lost my place now, chat. <laughs> um, and for the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives you rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry in keeping up with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried her to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy upon this woman I am staying with because of, of her son, to, because by causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy returned to life, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave it to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord comes from your mouth. Poor woman. She'd come to the end of a tether. The widow and her son. They'd just reached every bit of resources. She was just going. She was at the absolute end, and she was going to just prepare the last meal. But she never imagined the miracle that God had in store for her. God, who caused the drought, and it tells you previously caused the drought, is perfectly able to 
to help the widow and her son and through them to his prophet Elijah. And we know the story of Elijah 1 first, where he sent the ravens to feed him. And, and that's amazing in itself. But then we had the supernatural abundance of the flour in the jar, the oil in the jug. What miracles. Then the widow's son dies. She gets strung out again, forgetting all that God had done in the past. Even Elijah, Elijah doubted, but then he called on God and he was raised from the dead. Amazing, raised from the dead. Another miracle foreshadowing the resurrection of Jesus. Death is overcome. Death has no sting. When our own, own resources run out and we seem tapped out, we too can trust the God, that God is greater than our natural resources. The scripture was a challenge for me and, um, because I forget what God has done in the past. I made the mistake recently of cleaning out a cupboard. It was a computer cupboard, and the computer was gone, the printer was gone. Not a big cupboard, really. But I decided I needed a prayer corner, because I've seen a really nice cupboard I like, and I thought it would look nice in the bedroom with a nice chair, and I could sit and pray. Don't judge me. I started with the cupboard, not the Bible. So... So I started cleaning out my cupboard. And by the time, it was like the TARDIS. By the time I finished, my bed was full of journals. Every edge journal from every edge conference I'd been to was there. Every journal from every conference I'd been to was there. Just want to say to you preachers here, don't think I'm not listening because I'm not taking lots of notes because I have this much journals at home and I'm saving trees for Jesus. <laughs> so then came the Planet Shakers journals. And yes, young people, Rob and I were Planet Shakers. You would always find, well, you'd always find me at the back because the mosh pit stank too much. <laughs> but you would always find Rob in the mosh pit. Still do. He was jumping to the jam of the great I am. We remember that. <laughs> jam of the great, yes, yeah, right. And then when the six-foot giants in the mosh pit, you know, they don't just jump, they bump. And Rob used to become a prey sandwich. He... <laughs> so then I finally saw where our youth leaders oisted him on the shoulders in the mosh pit and he's still jumping to the jam of the great I am. And what was even more funny, he had purple hair. <coughs> purple hair, that's right. But when I was looking through the journals, and then I had a heap of prayer journals, because, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one that get given another one, and it has a great scripture on the front. And you go, this will be the one that will help me. You know, this will be the one. But as I looked through those journals, I had about an hour of saying, God, what are you doing? It's the same prayers. It's the same troubles. What else got worse? And then he reminded me that I can trust him. I can trust him. Trust him with my family. Trust him with my health. And God has proven to me time and time again, he loves me. Do you know what? What's more, he loves my family. 
more than me, and that's hard to believe for a mother and a wife. When trouble comes our way, often we talk to everyone else but the one we should be talking to. You know, I know people need to share things, but I also know that some people go from person to person to person to person and then end up exploding on everyone else's advice. And so often we allow other people's coping mechanisms to come on ourselves. I was reminded again, through cleaning out the TARDIS, of, of a young woman in Lincoln. I learned and grew a lot when Rob and I moved from Wales to Port Lincoln. And we moved three days before Christmas. And our first visitor was this lady called Leone and her son, Daryl, and her new baby. And then two days later on Christmas Eve, Daryl was in his dad's shed, took out his shotgun, was showing his mate. It fired, the bullet ricocheted, and he was killed instantly. That was so tragic. He was 12 years old. And Leonie just, it, how do you get over that? How do you get over that? And then as time wore on, people used to say, she's just not accepting it. She's not doing this. She's not doing that. But Leonie grieved in her way, you know. They didn't see her laid prostrate on my lounge room floor afternoon, 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 crying out to God. So when trouble comes, we all handle it in a different way. We have to do the best for who we are. It's our crisis, and we need to handle it how God is helping us do that. When you're in the middle of crisis, speculation will rip away your confidence. You always wonder what the end results will be, and that's often the weakest part of the battle. It's so natural to want to see what the end, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who does that. And this is where you have to stand, and what you do know about God for sure is that he knows all about your circumstance. He knows how to get you through. Hebrews 13, 5, 6, <coughs> excuse me, never will I leave you or forsake you. So we can say this with confidence, not just say it, we can say this with confidence that the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do? God will never allow you to go through more than you can bear. No test, no temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. This week, um, we had the pleasure of having the um, Carly Ryan Foundation in our school. And um, that was amazing. Her team spoke to the children, what, year six, sevens? From Goolwa, Port Elliot and Victor in our school. Our school hosted it. Beth at Port Elliot had organised it. And in the evening, we had Sonia Ryan. And I've heard her speak before, but it was so powerful, her message. And her message was that when, when Carly was murdered, for most of you know that story, Carly was murdered, met an online predator, was murdered at Port Elliot. And she took a long time to just grieve that. And then she decided she had to do something about it. So now she works tirelessly to bring that message 
into lives. She has spoke at the United Nations in Brussels last year. And in May last year, the Carly's Law was passed in South Australia. Now it is passed in other um, states. I think there's only two states, Beth, that haven't adopted it. And in South Australia, two people have already been prosecuted under Carly's Law. Love wins. She just spoke at the end and she said, you know, in the last three weeks, my father died. I had to sell the house that I, Carly and I lived in and my relationship broke up. And someone said, well, why are you here? And because she said, love wins. Love wins. And my prayer for her one day that as she reaches up to the Almighty that not only will earthly love win, but she will know, she will know that love wins. And I know she has a strong connection with Edge Church, so my prayer for her is that her heart will be healed. But that was awesome. Love wins. I've used that so much this week. You need to remember that God will never let you down. Man may let you down, but God will never let you down. And you know, it wouldn't be wrong it would be wrong if I didn't own up to sometimes saying, what about me? It isn't fair. And my one that Rob will tell you is, God, I'm only little. <laughs> I'm only little. And the other one, when he's talked about, when I read about having more than I can bear, I'm not a weightlifter, come on. So I have to own up to this. And you know, to tell you the truth, I've done this a little bit doing this message. But what I need to remember is that God is always there. And he will be there till I see my circumstances through. He will never allow me, you, to be separated from his love. And there is nothing that can, be, can come between you and your maker. Romans 8, 37, 38 says, No, in all things... Again, we are more, not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death, life or death, neither angels or demons, neither present nor the future, not any power or the depth or height, not anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is Jesus Christ. <laughs> God never leaves us. Often it's ourself that just step away from him. He is intimately involved in your life and with those you love. Psalm 138.8 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for you, for me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. He's there. He's always with us. He knows exactly how we are feeling. And what's more, he's touched by what we're feeling. We do not have a high priest who is, able <coughs> who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. So therefore, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can go boldly, boldly before the throne of grace. Therefore, Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Therefore, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may be, receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. 
scripture tells you that. It's there to help us in our time of need. You know, and we don't have to go like this. It says we go boldly, boldly. I love that scripture. I love that scripture. And that really, you know, just when I was, my mum died when I was 10. And um, I know I, I was having, missing, missing having a mum. I was like 30 odd and and, and anyone that knows me well knows when things are getting hard, I go, I want my mummy, you know? And I think I was knelt having prayer. At, we were at Athelston, and the minister, Alan George, said, what can I do? I want my mummy. And he said, can't you ring her? Well, no, she's dead. But, um, but then as he prayed with me, I had this amazing vision of being in the throne room. Now, I never see God as a guy with a long beard or any of that, but I knew I was in the throne room. And, you know, he takes me in there so often. But I'm not privileged to do that. It's just because I accepted him as my Lord and Saviour. You have the same invitation to go boldly into the throne room. <clears throat> Troubles are hard, and we can learn memorable lessons if we're open to them. All this is not new stuff. You've probably heard it all before. But I thought we needed to revisit it because I needed to revisit it and get a refresher. I told God on Friday night that I thought that I had earned my master's in trouble. I'm sure I heard him laugh. <laughs> I remember the first scripture given to me as a prophetic word. And it was a lady called Nancy Mantle. And again, we were in Port Lincoln. I don't know why this has come up so often this last week. And, and I was new. I'd never had a prophetic word before. And I was really excited. And she said, Maureen, I put the kettle on. I've got a word from God for you. But you're not going to like it. <laughs> but still, I raced down the road. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith, testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. I didn't feel mature. And complete. And then she follows it up with Romans 3 to 8. Not only so, but we glory in our suffering because we know that suffering brings perseverance. And perseverance brings character. And character brings hope. Now, hope does not disappoint us because the Holy Spirit, who, is given, who was given to us, poured out the love of God into our hearts. Thank goodness for the hope at the last bit. And not long after Barry Chant came to town, and Barry Chant gave Rob and I, he's the young couple, he's the young couple there. And um, <laughs> we were young then. And, and he gave us all these scriptures, and it was like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is the inheritance of the chosen one. And all scriptures like that. And he said to us, sounds like you're going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> And you know, we've been in a lot of trouble since. But the thing is, we have hope through the Holy Spirit. One thing about crisis and trouble is you always make it through. 
It may not be easy, but you will come out the other end. Also, I've come to see that living life as a Christian on this planet isn't easy. Crisis and trouble can come into your world, often without a warning, and bang, it's there. But because we need to try and see the big picture, because we have a big God who sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. We need not see every bit of trouble as a major drama, a great tragedy, or a four-part miniseries. You know, I don't want to live my life like that. And I need to remind myself of that. I've too much else to do. And how, could, how can God use me effectively if I'm always in a state of constant trouble or an emotional state? I'm trying not to stumble off into areas where only God can respond. And John 9, and we don't have the scripture up, you know, it, the disciples looked at the blind man and said, Rabbi, who sinned first? This man or his parents? Neither, said Jesus. This happens so the work of God can be seen in life. Only God can give us the answers. And God, God has no, no obliga obligation to explain why. Even when we stamp our feet and demand to know why, he doesn't have to do that. Psalm 91, and this is another good one, 11 to 12. For he will give his angels charge over you, that they will bear you up in their hands, that you will not strike your foot on a stone. We have to believe that. You know, we've had where, you know, I've cried out, you know, when we came to Victor Harbour, everyone that prayed for us before we came prayed about the angels that surrounded us. And, you know, I remember one day, it was a particular hard day, and um, well, a meeting, and um, I remember crying out, God, where are your angels? And right in front of me was this giant angel. And I'm like, Rob, <laughs> there's an angel. And it's a funny colour. <laughs> and the angel was with us all that day. And when I read my scripture later, I realised it was a bronze warrior angel. You know, you have to believe. We can't take little bits of the Bible and know that's true. We have to take it all. And you know, this says he gives his angels charge over you. They're with you. And that's exciting. His love for us is based on his will to love, not our ability to perform. We love because he first loved us. 1 John 14, 19. And it should be as simple as that. Heaven is the goal, earth is not heaven. Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring control under everything, will transform our lowly bodies. Now, those that know me keep, know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to be the tall, leggy blonde. But the next bit of scripture says, so that they may be like his heavenly body. So I have to stop doing that because I'm sure God isn't a tall-legged blonde. The best place to begin in a crisis and trouble is to grab hold of what we know about God. He has a plan for you that, in plan that 
includes a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And when Rob and I started Gateway in the gym, Chad gave us these amazing banners that were really tall with that scripture on. And for those years of getting through where we were, that was the scripture that I held close to. For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Scripture also tells us, and this is a real goodie, and you need to make a note of this. Put it in your phone. Romans 8, 26, 27. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, and he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints. That's us. That's us. In heaven, there's someone interceding for you right now. That's us, according to the will of God. So how can we forget such a promise? Crisis and trouble causes people to feel hopeless, or it can give you greater hope. It's all a matter of how we respond. Some people can respond to hopelessness and become despondent. Some can respond to the scripture and the promise of God. Do you know what? God knows what we're going through. He knows our trouble. He knows our heart. And guess what? He's right in the middle of them. And his great love always offers hope. So next time you're in the middle of a crisis or in trouble, remember just to grab hold of him. Grab hold of his hope. Grab hold of his great love for you and refuse to let go. I don't know where you are today, where your heart is, whether you're troubled, whether you're afraid, whether you're in crisis. But what I do know, we have an amazing Father in heaven who is right in the middle of it. So we're just going to have some worship. There will be people here to pray for you if you'd like to come forward for prayer. But know that right now in heaven, there is peop- the Spirit is groaning. I love that, groaning for where you're at today. Thanks, Elizabeth. There's many ways you can show your appreciation to Maureen. I hope you do that later, but um, we really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing your hearts with us. God showed me once about that Romans, the scripture where he said we are more than conquerors. Yes. We are conquerors, that means. But when I asked him once about why are we more than that, I felt him say it's because when you're a conqueror, that's the identity you have only in light of the fact that you had something to conquer. You're a conqueror because you had an enemy. But we're more than that. Because our identity does not come from the things that oppose us. And I just felt like as you were sharing, there's, it is helpful to say that these things have been part of my story. I've been through that struggle, I've been through that struggle. 
But there's also a temptation to link our identity to those struggles. To say, that's what I am. I am a survivor of that. Or I am a victim of that. Or I am a been through that. I'm a conqueror of that. But we need to understand that we have identity that's beyond that. Because our identity should not just come from our challenges. Our identity ultimately needs to come from what he says about us. What he says is eternally true. And I just wonder whether there's also some folks here today that we have linked our identity to the word what was the name of your message right at the start sanity in a, to an insane thing we've linked our identity to an insane thing versus God saying no no your identity is not based out of that your identity is based on what the father has said to you and what the father has said about you I wonder if you can embrace that today this has been a podcast from Bayside Church International thanks for listening